live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Morning Break with Jane Ritter. This morning, I will be talking to Tom Kiddle, who is the director of Nile. Tom is involved in a lot of projects and I'm really excited to talk to him. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. I was getting ahead of myself and going straight to the news. Um, unfortunately, um, yes, just a slight technical problem there. As I said, uh, good morning and welcome to me here in Naples. Um, I'm I'm delighted to be welcoming Tom Kiddle on the show uh, in a little while. Just to think about what today is. Today is the 9th of March. It's the day after International Women's Day. And I just wanted to, to send a message out to women around the world, but particularly women who are currently finding themselves in what may be an extremely difficult situation. I'm thinking about Ukrainian women who are sending their children away, who are leaving their families, and um, my heart goes out to you. Strangely, today is considered International Panic Day, um, which I thought was quite an unusual day. Um, I'm starting to panic because I can't quite see my guest, Tom. I hope you're um, you're coming in soon. Um, please join the show. Um, good morning, Mrs. Sorcha. While um, I'm waiting, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Tom because um, he does a lot for the ELT world. Um, he's been involved in language teaching, teacher training and assessment since 1996 and has worked with teachers all around the world. Um, he is currently director at Norwich Institute for Language Education, known to many of us simply as Niall. Um, he's the chair of the Board of Equals and founding director and treasurer of Aqueduto. You're probably asking me what is equals and what is aqueduto um it's quite interesting actually because in all of the things that tom seems to do there is a q in it and that q is for quality um aqueduto is the association for quality education and training online uh i'm wondering if tom <laughs> Right. Anyway, I'm going to keep moving on and just thinking about today as panic day as I as I slowly do that. Hi, is that you, Tom? Q N Z I. Could is that you? <laughs> Could you tell me your name, person who's just said hello to me? Hello. <laughs> No. Okay. Um, it is Tom. Okay. Perfectly. I'm perfect. I will invite you to, to speak. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. <laughs> it does happen. Is that you? Hi, Jane. Sorry. I wasn't <laughs> expecting to be QNZ. He could. Um, no, I thought you had a different ID. <laughs> so did I. Uh, I wasn't sure. Panic if it was over? A, panic's over. So I don't have to talk about International Panic Day. I did think it was a bit of a, um, a silly day, but it looks like every day. Um, has has its own um, theme and idea. Tom, I am I'm really, really happy to have you here. As I was just saying to our listeners, 
there does seem to be a cue for quality in everything that you do. And I've been looking at a lot of the projects and things that you've been doing, but I think you're probably the best person to tell our listeners about what you do. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you for the invitation. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on Teach Talk Radio. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm director at, at Nile, which is Norwich Institute for Language Education, um, which is my day job, which is um, yeah about uh, quality for um, teachers, whether that's initial teachers or whether that's um, uh, teachers in service, whether that's other education professionals, uh, their professional development. Um, courses, programs, up to a master's level program. Um, in Norwich, in, uh, in partner uh, centres, campuses uh, in, in Malta and Galway and others around the world, and, and also increasingly uh, online. Um, mm. So that, that's kind of uh, what I do on a day-to-day basis. Um, but the other uh, organisations you've mentioned uh, are things that I believe very strongly in and work on on a volunteer basis. One of them is... Um, uh, equals the uh, International Quality Assurance Association for, for Language Education. Um, and that's where I've been involved um, since about 2012 and formally on the board since um, 2017, I think, and, and recently uh, became chair of the board. Um, so that's involved with accrediting uh, language teaching organizations worldwide. Um, and then more recently, um, the, <coughs> the need for some kind of um, quality assurance and quality for providers and also um, course participants in online language teacher education. And that's what led um, three of us, myself, uh, Gavin Dudney and, and Steve Brent, to, to come up with the idea of a, uh, a peer-to-peer quality assurance association for specifically online language teacher education. And that's uh, Aquiduto, the Association for Quality in Education and Training Online. Um, all three of those play a, a large part in my kind of professional academic uh, life um, and as you say kind of striving for, for quality and defining what quality means is, is a huge part of that um, trying to kind of share those those ideas of, of what quality looks like in uh, in teacher education in online teacher education in in language education um, and trying to support individuals and organizations to um, to achieve that quality uh, and confidence in it. Just to kind of um, reel back a little bit, thinking about teaching, sort of pre-service teaching, what are the underlying principles for quality at that level? How would you define it? Obviously, I don't expect you to give me a whole list of criteria, but when when you're assessing a course, what are the underlying principles that you look for I mean, I, th- I think, you know, with any kind of pre-service training, um, you, you have to uh, start from where the participants are and try and give them um, the support to, to grow into the, the professional they want to be. I don't think uh, language teaching is, is any different from that, except for the fact that um, all teachers already have that um, experience of observation you know they've been learners themselves they've been in uh, educational settings themselves so they bring a lot of uh, conceptions and ideas about what quality is in learning from their own learning experience mm-hmm. um, and also you know, the reality is that many teachers on so-called pre-service qualifications have actually got a lot of uh, classroom experience themselves but haven't got that particular qualification that they're going for so I think one of the the, the really lovely and um, rewarding things about about teacher education is that um, teachers bring so much in terms of their own experiences their own ideas um, about education and about learning and about language uh, as a resource to to work in so um, of course pre-service training courses are are intensive and and can be overwhelming and so providing that scaffolding and the support and trying to work with participants from where they are in terms of their own um, their own awareness of classroom practices and, and um, principles of, of language awareness and language acquisition. Um, you know, there's a big difference between a, an initial uh, training course and a, a master's level program. Um, but um, you know, you really need to, um, to to raise awareness and to to give people confidence to to stand up or 
log on to to their learning space and mm. and the support which comes with that idea that you know teaching is a lovely lifelong learning journey you know there's anybody who stands up and says i'm the best teacher i can be full stop no more development needed is uh, is probably uh, in a bit of a rut <laughs> i did i did actually i listened to your interview on sponge elt and you had a bit of a bone with the difference between continuous and continuing professional development <laughs> would you for our listeners would you just like to elaborate a little bit on that uh, yeah i think um <laughs> so, so this this term cpd is is often uh used as if it's a, a concept in itself without being unpicked and i think the the p and the d for professional development are, are, are not um needed to be challenged but i think it's kind of slipped through the net that um the c has been framed as continuous and the idea that you always have to be developing, you always have to be innovating, you always have to be uh, doing something new, which is is really quite um, daunting and counterproductive, I think. You know, that I, I've been to certain institutions where you, know, you have a scorecard of how much development you've done through the year, but um, mm. the, uh, the phrase that was uh, uh, shared with me a long time ago was, uh, you know, innovation without consolidation is a very dangerous practice. And actually, I think, the C originally and, and rightly is continuing professional development. And so that's that's a continuing process throughout our career, but it doesn't necessarily need to be all uh, all day, every day, or uh, you know, something different every every week, every semester, uh, every term. It needs to be you know, building on what you've done before at the right time for you. And, and we know that teachers worldwide are under incredible pressure. Um, I was just, I was actually reflecting on a conversation that I had with a colleague who it was it was last year and it and she was sort of going into her um her appraisal meeting for the year and she felt really flabbergasted because she sort of said I, I, it, it looks like i haven't done anything this year but in actual fact i really do feel like i have done an awful lot and it was simply coping with changes online classes hybrid classes um but it, she felt that something else was expected of her for her CPD. Yeah, yeah. And it just, I mean, it, 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 I think there were a lot of frazzled teachers. Um, when does I think, I think this, this last two years has been, uh, you know, developmental for, for everybody, whether that's been appropriately supported, appropriately resourced, um, uh, you know, whether that's been people feeling isolated and, and uh, an individual space whether that's been well peer supported whether that's been institutionally supported it is you know, very different across different contexts and for different people but um there's there's no way you could have been a teacher in the last two years without being challenged to develop in some way or forced to develop and i think that in itself uh you know we have to we have to take what we can from that but not allow it to to burn us out and, and this kind of drive for everything has to be a formal cpd um certificate or, or experience to, to give it value is, is crazy you know there's an awful lot of cpd that happens informally and, and amongst colleagues and i think teachers who, who look back on you know where of their formative experience has been what, what are the people who've influenced them what are the students who've influenced them the the successful lessons that have influenced them they're, they're very often kind of quite informal interactions and are unexpected unplanned um you know, light bulb moments or developmental moments or, or activities. And, and that's uh, incredibly valuable for, for moving from kind of what, being told what your development should be to, should be. to <laughs> believing it and, and uh, owning it. Um, and yeah, that certainly for me in my career, the, those moments, there have been some which have been kind of you know, eye-opening and bucket of cold water moments on, on formal qualification-based courses, but there have also been just, you know, fantastic experiences from meeting someone in the staff room or or observing someone else's lesson you think oh my god that's what i've been doing wrong or that's what i'm going to do from now and, and mm. those are, are hugely developmental experiences you work on an awful lot of projects um i i, I have a, a list here um of of new things that you're that you're working on um thinking and, and you've obviously worked on a load of, of projects thinking about the projects that you have worked on do you have a favorite do you have one that you're really fond of and that you hold 
close? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure about favourites because they're, they're all differently interesting at different times. And, and I think, you know, for, for many uh, education professionals, you, you are forced to, to change tack and, and multitask and give your attention to different ones. Two, two that I'm particularly proud of, um, one which is my kind of my baby and my major contribution to Nile uh, in my early years was the development of, of Nile Online. So, mm. so Nile had been you know, a face-to-face training organization with a toe in the water of um, you know, online capacity and, and platforms. Um, but in 2014, I was given the opportunity to really develop that idea of whether we could um, maintain our quality and our principles and our approach to teacher education in an online space. And I, I realized that you know there's so much that we could do at that point and have been able to build on in terms of asynchronous uh, engagement with teachers and live synchronous online learning. Mm. Um, and to, to capture some of the things that are so valuable when they happen in the classroom and, and some of the things I was talking about before, capturing the, the experience and the expertise and the experiences of, of the people in the, in the training room uh, rather than it being kind of top down knowledge transmission from a, a trainer, you can do that very effectively online. And, and you could quite um, effectively argue that that asynchronous space for processing, for deeper thinking, for trying things out in your own context, for feeding back, um, for supportive um, tutor interaction uh, and intervention is, is more impactful and more um, leads to deeper learning than you know, the the everybody in a classroom we've got an hour and a half to work on this topic and then we have to move on to the next one uh, that's know, actually what i was thinking i was just yeah. thinking about forums which are great because you can actually add your reflections and your the other participants may not be there while you're sharing it but they can comment and feed back on that and, and also share their own and it's it's still there for you you can go back and read it again whereas you can't actually repeat a live workshop for example <laughs> yeah absolutely. and get all the or, or be in on all those conversations in a workshop and um, sharing that time amongst a, a group in a live a live space is really difficult and you know you want mm. to give people their voice but you also want to kind of direct the the focus to the, your hopeful learning outcomes and when you've got more time and more space to do that of course it, it implies you know different skills on the part of the trainer and, and being able to to moderate and mediate and what the, the phrase we, we came up with at Nile in one of our uh, publications was um, seeding, feeding and harvesting. So, you know, planting that <laughs> seed to get a forum going and uh, feeding it with, with, you know, questions, comments, additional resources, and then, you know, harvesting the, the fruits of that um, discussion uh, over an asynchronous week or, or however long that, that block of uh, discussion goes on and you know pulling out the the insights and the the takeaways that's a a, a slightly different skill to manage that but yeah. i think it's a, certainly a manageable one um, like so certainly we... nile online is w- w- one of them and also you know the really most fascinating project over the last uh, two years has been um this prelim project which we've done in collaboration with um with british council uh, i tefl and english uk as kind of coordinating partners Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, Niall has been kind of uh, managing these originally 20 in the first year and now 40 projects, which are partnerships between an English UK member school um, and an overseas English teachers association. So really bringing um, context together and working on kind of language improvement for teachers, you know, the ESP for teachers content in, in, in these um English teacher associations, truly globally. Um, and, 40, you know, yeah, 40, uh, 40 projects 40 in 40, 40 different countries. Yeah, uh, and seeing that and, and kind of ma- managing that uh, and having the, the, the view and the, the uh, awareness of the different models and the different um, successes and the different uh, triumphs of each of those projects has been wonderful to, to be involved with. And it really kind of, it's where, where my heart is, you know, working with teachers and working with teachers who are desperate for that opportunity to, to share and learn from each other. Um, but, you know, we know in some places it's really well done and in some places it's, it's not done at all. And so being able to be it, part of that has been great. When it is that big, I mean, what kind of systems do you use to manage it? Um, we have a, a fantastic <laughs> 
team. Um, yep. so I, I will name check um, Martin uh, Clark and, and uh, Rose uh, Aylett, who, who've been working directly on the project from the Nile side, um, and also kind of building up the communities of practice within um, the the English UK members. So we have our own kind of, mm. uh, online space and we have live sessions and we have uh, resource banks to, to try and learn from each other. Uh, again, very much a, a kind of fundamental principle of a project like this, that you've got to listen um, more than you talk and you've got to learn. Uh, and, and there's another kind of principle that I learned early in Nile, which is this idea of, of roots and wings and, and the idea that your role as a, a manager or a trainer or, or um, uh, even a teacher is to to give um, the support that people have the roots and the confidence to um, to know they can do their project or their job effectively, but also then give them the the freedom and the autonomy and the confidence to, to fly with that and to go in their own ways and to innovate and be creative within that. So our responsibility is to provide the roots, the support, the resources that then you know, watch these projects fly as, as the UK partner learns about the context of the, um, the English Teacher Association and, and creates a course bespoke for them. And um, you know, the, the, the feedback and the stories from those teachers who are affected is, is what makes it um, so rewarding to, to be part of. How absolutely brilliant. Um, <laughs> I mean, Niall has, has a historical um, reputation for teacher education it's been it was always the for uh, living in Italy um, it's always been the summer destination of certainly Italian teachers and also um, ELT teachers um, you, you you also have um, another um, another project in the pipeline um, which is an online teaching teenagers course um, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Because I, I actually am <laughs> quite interested in it myself. Um, and I know a lot of colleagues are interested. And I also think teenagers um, do need quite a lot of attention and care at this current time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, my own uh, oldest son is just on that cusp of teenage um teenagehood and uh, so yeah I, I'm seeing that firsthand as well as having you know, been involved in teaching teenagers myself for, for many years and I think that in our sector um, in language education there's been deserved attention given to um, the characteristics and the needs of, of pre-primary learners for example and how different mm. they are at that, that critical age um, from primary learners I also focus on on young learners you know that five to 12 year old primary school age uh, and how they're developing as people uh, and as learners and as you know, uh, peers in a classroom. Um, but then you kind of had this, and then there's, then there's general English and then there's, you know, then, then people are in, in the same space. And actually I think uh, a lot of research uh, has shown that the, the changes in the teenage brain and the impact for that of, of teenagers as, uh, as learners and as, um, co-participants in a learning space and there's uh, developing interactions and social interactions um, uh, are very different again and, and deserve that attention and, and what's happening in the teenage brain and, and the, the change in um, peer pressures and attitude to risk taking and uh, growing awareness of place in the world and individual identity. Um, these have massive impacts on how teenagers are in the classroom and possibly mm -hmm. even the, the, the phrase um, the term teenagers is, is too broad for the different stages within that um, but we, we felt in our initial development of um, our Nile online programs and we cover you know, 20 or 30 different aspects of, of language education and, and teacher education that this was really a, a space that we hadn't addressed appropriately you know we, we didn't have this focused course on on what it means to be a teenager learning a language and in today's world and the, the external pressures and the internal um, challenges that, that you're going through. So it's mm. a course that we're developing now and I hope to launch in, in September and uh, I'm sure it will have the, the same rigour and quality and interaction and, and exciting activities as, as our other online programmes. Um, mm. And it, it, the time is definitely right for, for teachers to have greater awareness of that. I think so. I think also a lot of us have got 
perhaps um, teen interests. <laughs> we don't we don't really understand it. I, I didn't realize until I just with I have um, I suppose they're still teenagers. They're university students, but they're very young, and sort of throwing out um, for speaking assessments, for example. I encourage them to do video logs as part of their their um, their, their portfolios. One, I couldn't believe the the quality of the vlogs that they produced or vlogs. Um, I'm never quite sure how is it vlogs or vlogs. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I think vlogs. It's only because vlog sounds very old. Sounds very odd for vlogging, doesn't it? So I guess we go for vlogs. Vlogs, yes. Yeah, I think they and, are vlogs. Pity uh, those first language interference who don't have a great distinction between the B and the V, but I think go for vlogs. <laughs> Yes, definitely here in Naples we do have that um, we do have that, that problem. Um, so we just call them. But the the range of topics were were nothing like a, a conventional course book. Um, they, the, the range was just um, extraordinary, and actually giving them the freedom to choose um, helped me to really get to know them well. And I was just astounded at the quality of the. Of the material that they produced and you've got so much to learn from from them in terms of the way they mediate their world and the way they mediate information in their in their world and and these um you know content creation although not not all of them uh, not all kind of young people are uh, as great producing content as they are at consuming it but these skills yeah. there and, and you know what what you see from even younger children in their manipulation of, of multimedia content <laughs> and TikTok and things. It's just yeah, staggering. I had, I had that with my youngest. Um, yeah. His bed broke and we didn't really understand how until we found a video of him and his mate jumping on it, like really jumping on it, on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> a new world, a new view into their lives. Yeah. Yes. Uh, um, but yeah, absolutely. And, and the other side of that is... You know, you're giving control of, of topic and content in, into the hands of people who, you know, they don't just want to be talking about the same issues that have been in course books for 30 years. And there may be aspects of those which are really engaging. But um, you look at uh, an educational channel like um, TrueTube and the, the range mm. of topics it covers to really go into some of those more controversial topics, uh, you know, to, the, the attempt to keep them out of the classroom when they're in students' daily lives seems a, a little bit um, you know, pointless to me, but I know there are contexts where... Where it's not possible. Not acceptable, yeah, not, yeah, not appropriate. Um, but certainly I don't imagine that teenagers stop thinking about those things because of that. No, no. And they probably would, in terms of, of classroom engagement, they'd probably be more engaged if they were talking about those things get more from them yeah yeah absolutely and then, but there's also that idea of you know you've got to create that um safe space for this to be done because it's a very nervous and sensitive time when you're creating your identity and you know mm. being challenged to give your views on a on a topic that maybe you haven't thought through fully for yourself or you haven't decided your position can be a you know uh, a challenge that raises those kind of anxiety barriers um so it's it's a quite a delicate balance i think i think so too Tom, I, I'm, I'm really sorry to pause you here because uh, I could just I think we're probably going to have to have another three radio programs to, to talk through everything. Um, we need to take a quick break and go to the news, um, but we will be back in about five minutes. Brilliant. Okay. Thank Speak you. to you in a second. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. 
Smart Plan is an online curriculum learning resource for A-Levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, U-P-L-E-A-R-N Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. A healthy eating scheme called Food Dudes is being introduced in some primary schools in Jersey to reduce obesity in children. Children will watch videos about the importance of healthy eating and get a daily delivery of fruit and vegetables to eat each morning. Minister for Education, Deputy Scott Wickenden said, Unfortunately, we have an increasing number of children who are becoming what is considered overweight or obese during their development in primary school from reception to year six. Evidence-based programmes such as Food Dudes, which has a strong body of research demonstrating the difference it makes, is an excellent way to make teaching children about healthy eating more fun and exciting. The scheme has already been introduced to thousands of UK schools and evidence suggests it can help change children's attitude towards fruit and vegetables. In Scotland, the SQA has been accused by pupils and teachers of failing learners by releasing patronising revision guides to help tackle the disruption caused by COVID-19. At the end of February, the SQA announced that it was moving to Scenario 2 as a result of significant disruption and stated it would release revision support to help reduce stress and anxiety. Pupils criticised the support which was released with one saying on social media, I never thought that SQA would assume we are so thick we wouldn't read the question before answering, but here we are. While another said, feeling confident about my exams now I know a six marker question is worth six marks. SQA Chief Executive Fiona Robertson said, the measures are the fairest and best way we can help support all learners while also maintaining the integrity, credibility and standard of the qualifications. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk timers. After being challenged to make a timer with shapes in PowerPoint, I thought I'd throw out a quick tip for the most common presentation software used in teaching, Microsoft PowerPoint and Google Slides. The easiest way to add a timer is embedding a YouTube timer video. In Google Slides, 
It's easy. Simply click on the insert menu and select video. You'll then be given the option to search YouTube. If you didn't know already, YouTube is full of timer videos. So type in the timer you want, for example, five minute timer, and you'll be given a list of videos to choose from. Select the one you want and it will embed. Finally, use the video format options to determine whether you want it to play on a click, start automatically or manually. Job done. You can also do this in PowerPoint, but you'll need to search YouTube first to find your video as you'll need the video's URL. If you're not a geek, that's the big long www address. Now you've got the address, select insert video and online video. Paste in the address and it will embed. Again, you can decide how it plays back in the playback menu. For both these methods, you need to be connected to the internet for them to work, but usually you will be. For this week's visual version, I'll retweet my example of the shape timer from last week and add a short tutorial demonstrating the methods I've just described. So don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back, everybody. Um, I'm talking with Tom Kittle, director of Nile. Tom, I feel like I'm doing this interview backwards. Um, I usually ask about uh, people's career journeys. Um, we sort of started <laughs> with, with work, um, but you have actually lived in quite a few countries. You've also lived in Australia, which I'm quite interested to know where. Um, could you just tell me briefly about your your career journey? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, so so there's, there's a kind of genre of uh, English jokes and stories that, that start with yeah, um, a man walked into a pub or I met a man in a pub, but that, that was um, my uh, <laughs> introduction to, to the world of teaching English as a foreign language, teaching English overseas. I was in the third year of my university degree in, in Renaissance history um, and luckily enough studying for three months in, in Venice, um, not knowing what to do uh, with a Renaissance history degree and, and met a, a guy in a pub who told me about um, TEFL and, and CELTA courses and things like that and, and that just <laughs> seemed like okay this is uh, this is something better than a graduate trainee program at a, um, a merchant bank. Um, so yeah, I, I did uh, the four-week CELTA course um, where I grew up in Devon, um, and my first job was uh, in Portugal, uh, in mm -hmm. Lisbon, which was amazing. And, and Hugh Della has a lovely phrase, that, um, it, he fell into a, a me-shaped hole, and that, that very much for me, apart from yeah, a first 10 minutes of teaching on the CELTA course, which was absolutely appalling, I pretty much loved every moment of being in the classroom and, and working with students and, and teachers latterly. Um, so I, I did two years in Portugal. I, I was very happy there. I would have happily stayed there, but I was conscious I wanted to see more of the world and, and different uh, contexts and cultures. Um, so after going back and working in Manchester for a, for a year to save funds, I then went um, uh, over to Australia and taught in Surface Paradise and uh, Sydney. Wow. Um, Surface Paradise. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Lo lovely schools there, and uh, great, great uh, outdoor activities to do uh, during the class or after the class. It was, yeah, it's a great place to, to teach there. I know um, there's an international house on the Great Barrier Reef, and they do English in the morning and then diving in the afternoon. I think that's a pretty good combination. Absolutely. And I, know... I had a, a one-to-one -one <laughs> student in Sydney who said he was a, a Swiss banker, and he said. Well, yes, of course, we'll talk. But actually, I want to go scuba diving and to go to restaurants. <laughs> and so that's where, where we want to, I want to learn English with you. And so that was a, you know, a truly fantastic one-to-one -one course to, to be given. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. That, and I think it's also Byron Bay, don't they do English and then surfing in the afternoon? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the extracurricular activities come easy when you're in those kind of places. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was on my way back from um, Australia uh, to, to the UK and ran out of um, money in, mm -hmm. uh, in Thailand and um, got a job working at a, a university language centre in, in Thailand and then moved to British Council in Thailand and uh, ended up staying there five years and doing my diploma there and really getting kind of more, much more serious about the profession and interested in different aspects of language education. Um, and then after Thailand, 
a different context, went, went to Chile uh, and was in Chile for five years at a, a university and language institute there uh, where I did my master's and got into language assessment. Um, and then almost 11 years ago now, met the, um, the founder of Nile who'd worked um, in Chile before and uh, came over to Chile and asked if I wanted to join Nile and uh, shout out to, to him, the founder of Nile, Dave Allen, who was uh, celebrated his 75th birthday yesterday. Um, and uh, just over a, a third of that time you know, dedicating to, to building Nile. Mm. Um, so I came to, to Nile in 2011 um, and have, have been there ever since. And, you know, although I'm now based in Norwich, it's a, it's a truly global organization in, in terms of the opportunities it's given me to not only visit, but, but work with teachers from around the world, um, which is an incredibly rewarding part of our part of our educational uh, sector. I think that's, yeah, that is why people are attracted to ELT in the first place. Um, I certainly <laughs> have enjoyed um, the, the, the traveling and the visiting and, and meeting other teachers has, has been um, a great part of it. Um, yeah. you're, you said you were also working on a project with some Tunisian primary teachers. So in addition to, to Prelim 2, there is also another project that you work on with Tunisian primaries. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, another fantastic project, another one in, in uh, collaboration with, with British Council um, Tunisia, uh, who are, have uh, set up this um, program to reach uh, primary teachers uh, across Tunisia through providing them with um, uh, tablets to, to, to learn online, um, in kind of intensive short courses and then the tablets are returned and, and passed on to the next teacher for the next course so it's a way of getting the kind of the digital access uh, out to the the teachers um and again very rewarding in terms of getting into the uh the lives and the, the teaching context of uh, up to i think five thousand teachers we worked with in the first uh, round of this project and, and similar numbers now and so now um manages all the all the teacher trainers who work on that project and, and coordinates all those kind of parallel courses that are running uh, at the moment and, and uh, I think very successful very um, much appreciated by the Tunisian teachers giving them a chance to talk to each other as well as learn with the, um, the Nile trainers uh, how so do they reach is just incredible you know the idea yeah, of how... trying to get 5,000 people into separate classrooms for teacher training <laughs> workshops would be a, a little bit daunting but uh, digitally it gives us that that reach and how do you support the actual the um the hardware how do they how does how does that work i mean that's quite a lot of tablets <laughs> um, yeah absolutely and, and that that's managed by uh, british council tunisia and, and having um hubs around the country where they the tablets are distributed from and returned to um, so that's obviously a, you know, a large part of the, the project management of that project is getting those tablets into teachers' hands and then giving them that initial training to, to how to, to log on and join the live sessions and see the content. Um, and, and, you know, that's one of the ways of managing that digital divide, you know, um, taking the, the hardware to the teacher rather than mm. the assumption that, you know, everybody will have a, an internet-enabled device that they can work with, which is quite clearly not the case. I think that I think we've seen that from the pandemic. Um, even in um, first world countries, there are. I mean, certainly here in Italy, um, in the south, that has been one of the struggles: is that not everybody has broadband in their homes, yeah. and mum has a mobile phone, or she has a, a laptop, but she's actually working at the same time. And actually, a lot of a lot of kids couldn't get online classes because they just didn't have the resources yeah um, yeah that that kind of broad brush thing of well there is the infrastructure there in terms of this internet connectivity and you know a family has devices as soon as you've got um people needing to use them at the same time that the resources don't don't go around they're very thinly spread and and that assumption that we can all be online to, to learn in normal school hours uh the the pandemic threw that into into very challenging circumstances all around the world. I think. Mm, I think so too. Um, you, I mean, this 
digital and, and sort of online teaching are your I mean that's your <laughs> your this of your your core loves and interests. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, which part do you find the most interesting? Um, I, I think you know if if there's a, a a core to a heart to it, then it's certainly um, the online teacher education rather than the online language learning because uh, I think being able to to exploit the the experiences and the ideas and the um, the, the classroom practices of the teachers, what they bring in, that's one of the, the crucial parts of content of, of teacher education. So if you combine that with the, you know, the experience and the expertise of the Nile trainers, mm -hmm. and then the, the capacity and the, the resources and the materials we've been able to build on, on our e-learning platform, you can really get this fantastic um, triangulation of, of, of content and development between tutor participants, uh, and and materials and, and activities, and, and that's really exciting when you see something spring to life uh, in a an online space. You know the the, the abilities for multimodal discussions and you know, video forums and um, uh, embedding third party tools that we're quite familiar with, kind of your Padlets and your Google Docs and mm -hmm. um, things like that within a uh, within an e learning space where where people can learn and can share aspects of their context with with other teachers around the world i think it's just fascinating and and it um i've been really pleased with the way we've been able to to hold up that quality that we, we started the uh, the conversation talking about in that online sp space it's not a uh, it's not a second class option it's not a a poor alternative uh, it's actually it's got opportunities for something even richer than we could do by bringing people together for intensive face-to-face -face training sessions so so i'm really interested in, in mm. that side of it what what the affordances are of, of you know digital and and uh online for for reaching teachers remotely in their own context i do find, yeah I, mean, I find it i find it quite fascinating myself i do however as a as a teacher that strives to develop and um i, I was i was i did my first online celta last year and when i started i just thought this is not going, I mean, how can this work? Because I've never done an online CELTA. And I was pleasantly surprised. And I can see that they are actually getting <laughs> the same input. It is, and, and they're teaching as they would on a CELTA. But the one thing that they really, um, they really missed was that group conversation. So I, I, I love forums and, um, I've recently done a course where there was a forum to share and discuss, but I really, really still needed the the face to face chatting with my peers and the trainer to yeah. to continue. So I'm all for for digital, but I think that the human face to face element still needs to be incorporated. I, I think you're absolutely right, and I mean, I I was yeah, not. Um ashamed to say I was quite skeptical about those pre-service qualifications moving 100% online and, and mm. I did a presentation at a, um, a conference about that uh, in terms of you know, that experiential learning that we rely on in you know, initial teacher training where you know participants experience something in the morning and then try it out for themselves in the afternoon for example um, when we're when we're talking in an online space about face-to-face -face teaching having that experiential learning is really difficult uh, so i think that's another aspect um alongside the the one you're talking about about that where does the the learning happen outside the the learning spaces the informal conversations the building up your relationship <laughs> with your peers and the kind of the staff room um experience that's exactly yeah. so fundamental to you know uh, being in a you, you know when you walk into a staff room the the ethos and the spirit of a school and and you know being unable to recreate that um is a challenge I, I think you know you can make spaces for it but obviously everybody's online interaction um is different from their you know how they create their identity face to face and i think you need to yeah. kind of recognize that absolutely or maybe also from the from the point of view of a tutor i know we kind of we replaced that you know oh i'm just going to ask 
chain a question in the corridor it became uh, a whatsapp group <laughs> which meant yeah. that the questions are coming through all the time <laughs> which well, um, you have to be very thing. I, mm. I think that it's like that the whole question of um working from home you know when when you work from home at what point do you leave work you know it, it's, it's a bit like that once you open up these spaces and, and expectations for teachers uh, trainers to um to be in online spaces that have no office hours mm -hmm. then what how do we manage that workload and stop it becoming you know overload and and uh you know pressure for teachers to be responding at all hours um, have you got any tips for us on that <laughs> you, how do you manage it <laughs> i mean i think uh fortunately there are um you know most of these online spaces have their notifications that can be muted and mm. um, availability settings that you can put your do not disturb up or your your working hours um, but but it's a temptation isn't it that that you know you, you you know where these messages can be found and you know they're probably there and you know uh, that being strong enough to manage that and not being afraid to um, to manage that and to kind of demand your working hours are separate from your out of work hours, I think it, it does take some strength and needs support. You know, we've seen some countries go as far as making it um, illegal, illegal to yeah. message or expect responses from um, from colleagues outside office hours. I, I don't think that's yet been done in the, the world of online teaching and online learning. Um, but I think you have to kind of defend that quite fiercely and, and support that as a, a manager or person with responsibility for what your expectations are. Um, I have noticed a, a sort of I've noticed a disclaimer on some people's emails that say um, I may email you um, out of office hours, but I don't expect you to reply, which I think is kind of nice. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, well, I've heard of a friend who, who, when he went on holiday, used to put on your email will be deleted. If it's uh, important, either write to a colleague or resend it uh, after my return, which is you know, quite strong and not not maybe the most um, diplomatic for a, a professional relationship, but that fear of coming back to a, an overflowing inbox is is quite real in terms of creating stress and creating burnout. Mm, definitely, um, I don't know. I mean, we will obviously as we've as we've muddled through. Um, <laughs> through COVID and we may muddle through a war, we'll probably find a solution to this in the end. Um, I, Tom... hope, I hope we do. Uh, I hope we will mm. kind of see, see emerging good practice and accepted norms of behaviour that, that do respect people's you know, right to time away from the screen and time away from work. It's, it's essential. Yeah, definitely. Tom, you're also a, um, you're also a football coach. Tell us a bit about that. Well, actually, it's one of those silver linings of the pandemic for me. I, I um, was fortunate enough in, in my work to, to be invited to different events, conferences, to give workshops, trainings in, in, uh, you know, around the world. And that meant that I did a lot of traveling and a lot of, kind of absence from, from my home base and my family in Norwich. And when that came to a you know, abrupt end, um, in, uh, in March 2020, it kind of made me think, well, what can I get more involved with that I didn't have the commitment for before? And so that's a lot of that has been in getting involved with both my son's football teams and uh, you know, bringing my um, total inadequacy on the pitch to bear on a new generation. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's just great to be in a, uh, another uh, setting which gives you that headspace and complete difference from, from work um, and seeing, you know, kids take their first steps to, to winning and losing as a team is, is really quite you know rewarding and uh, um, mm. great great fun to to be doing it as a you know, I've got I've got hobby I've got basketball boys and I must admit I wasn't really happy to be you know out in the hinterland of, of Campania for a football match at half past eight on Sunday morning but it's absolutely freezing here so yeah, well, I figured I was either going to be standing on one side of the pitch watching or the other side of the pitch coaching, so I may as well be involved and, and have a say. And I was still going to be doing the taxi running to and from <laughs> games, as uh, as many parents will appreciate. Mm -hmm. 
um, but yeah, it's it's. I think it, it's everybody has different ways in which they they get that space and and um, alternative aspects of their lives, and, and that during the pandemic was enabled me to to take that on, and uh, yeah, now I need to strive to um, to hang on to that as conferences move back into face to face mode and uh, training opens up. And um, well, I was going to say there's um there is a um. I was, I was interested to notice that you started your career in Venice and you ha, um, you've, Equals has a conference in Venice in April. Um, is that a coincidence? It is absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> a, a very happy coincidence for me uh, to be able to, to go back. Um, I, I've been back once in the kind of 25, 26, 27 years since I was there as a student. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it, it's uh, it's really um, very close to the birthplace of Equals as an organisation, which was part of, like the brainchild of, of uh, Peter Brown, who's um, a British school in Trieste, that yep. is very close. And, and I found out he did the same university course as me, uh, and so he was also in Venice as a student, and uh, you know went on to Trieste and, and stayed there, where I. I went on a more peripatetic journey uh, around the world with with uh, English teaching, um, but yeah, returning to kind of the the uh, place where I got into uh, ELT mm. and where equals you know developed from is uh, I think is a nice combination. I think so too. I've also I also think it's a nice coincidence that next week I will be speaking to Emma Hademan, who is an equals inspector. So there you go. There are all the all the coincidences. In... Well, not only that, but Emma is also <laughs> the uh, the author of the teaching teenagers course that we were talking about oh, earlier. No, how brilliant! Absolutely. Oh well, so I can the, get the more from her. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Fantastic. And I'm actually presenting there too. So um, we'll, we will all catch up then. Um, Tom, if people would like to get in touch with you to find out more about courses or work or events, um, where's the best place to find you online? Um, so absolutely um, through the NAL website where you can see stuff that we do as well. And there's contact us. My, my own email address is thom. Uh, at nile-elt.com uh, and I'm also on LinkedIn so I'd be delighted to hear from uh, your listeners and, and uh, language teaching professionals around the world um, to, to work with them in the future it'd be great yeah thank you so much for your time um, I really <laughs> you know, I really could I mean I, if you would like to come back on another you know in a, a couple of months time perhaps to tell us a bit more about what you're doing um, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning, there's definitely a cue for quality in in everything that you are working on, um, and it's 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 great for the profession, and it's it's great that there is that support, regulation, um, research, and um, incredible teams behind all of these projects that you're working on. Thank you, Jane. It's an absolute pleasure talking to you, and. I'd be delighted to come back in the future. <laughs> okay. Um, thanks again. Um, as I said to the listeners, um, next week I will be speaking to Emma Hademan so we can we can explore the, the world of equals um, further. Um, just before I finish, if you're interested in finding out more about equals, the website will be on the replay. So if you if you need to listen back to if you want to listen back to the interview the information will be there. The same for Aquadotto and the same for Nile. Thank you again, Tom. And thank you, thank you everyone. Um, I will see you all at the same time next week or listen, speak to you all at the same time next week. Um, for now, from Naples, um, have a good afternoon. Thank you. Bye-bye. Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jane Ritter.
Live from Naples, this is The Morning Break with Jay Ritter on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio.